Welcome to Friendo Podcast, hosted by me, Amanda Muse. As a YouTuber, I've shared my life online for the last eight years, and now I'm excited to learn about you. Friendo celebrates people and their stories, from interesting jobs to unique passions and curious life skills that the world should hear about. Community is everything. Let's do this. Please note the following episode mentions rape and suicide. Nothing overly graphic, but the topics are addressed. This episode may not be suitable for younger audiences. I was speaking with a friend recently, and we were discussing mental health. With lockdown after lockdown, especially where I'm living in Ontario, Canada, and how so many people are handling stress or not handling stress these days. When you have a friend dealing with depression or suicidal thoughts, you refrain from asking, how are you? As it can be a really triggering question where they can spiral out of control on how awful things are for them. I had no idea. To be honest, though, I also find that question to be super triggering at the moment because nothing is normal and I feel up and down and some days are easier than others and some days are incredibly hard. I've become increasingly aware of my mental health over the years and especially right now during a pandemic. It's all feeling a little too real. It hasn't always been so easy to bring up feelings online, especially those that are sad or difficult. There hasn't always been a place for heavier conversations. So when did that change? When did it become acceptable to share our most vulnerable moments online? It happened because a few brave souls decided to bear it all with blog posts and videos back in the day. And of course, most recently with Instagram and TikTok content, it's just become the way that we do things. There's just a place for those very real conversations. And what happens when people share these real moments is that these feelings become normal. We see ourselves in others. We recognize that our harder days are likely more common than we originally thought. And ultimately, we realize we're not alone. My guest today is one of the OGs. She began blogging many moons ago and really started to get real about her journey through postpartum anxiety before it was acceptable to discuss these types of things online. She continues to share real life stuff as she writes about her life, big transitions, her opinions, allyship, and so much more. Jill Krause is a blogger, a mother of four, and a published author. She began blogging in 2007 on babyrabies.com, her first blog, when she was getting serious about getting pregnant. Vogue magazine listed her as one of eight people to follow in your 30s. Time magazine recognized her Twitter account as one of 140 accounts to follow. She was also published by Us Weekly, Refinery29, BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, Cosmopolitan, Today.com, and Washington Post. Jill has published two books, 50 Things to Do Before You Deliver, The First Time Mom's Guide to Pregnancy, released in 2018, and her second book, Lactivate, A User's Guide to Breastfeeding, released in late 2019, are both Amazon bestsellers. 
Most recently, she's transitioned to jillkraus.com, where she discusses being a mom to four, navigating a separation and impending divorce, and her life in Austin, Texas. She also has two dogs, Arlo, an English Mastiff, and a pug named Rosie. Welcome to the podcast, Jill. Hey, I am so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here for a few reasons. For one, you're kind of a big deal on the internet. So I'm so glad that you made time to chat with me here. Um, But also, I just think what you're sharing online, how you're sharing it is so inspirational. It's so real and authentic. And I'm just pumped to have more insight into what you're up to. So, you know, I know a lot of people already know what you do, but maybe you could give me your little elevator pitch about what you do online. Yeah. I mean, I started out as like an original mommy blogger way back when mommy blogging was kind of becoming a thing. So I had this baby blog called Baby Rabies that I blogged uh, for over like 10 years. And then as I became an older mom who's no longer producing babies, I transitioned out of that content and I just, um, I blog at jillkraus.com now. And so now my my content has evolved to just really talk more about life as now a 40-year-old. I just turned 40 and, um, you know, I'm facing an impending divorce and just navigating kind of what this new chapter of my life is like in addition to dealing with my mental health and just trying to be honest about, you know, what life's struggles are. So I do, I do blogging and, and content creation. I have a couple published books uh, on breastfeeding and pregnancy. And then I also do behind the scenes digital marketing strategy for other brands. So some freelance stuff. So just like all content creators, right? I have like a million hats and, and I'm just like, taking on jobs wherever I can get them. (laughs) It's amazing. You know, you mentioned one thing about that shift between being with the young babies and then figuring out a way to make it work as your kids get older, because that's new ground. Like, I don't know how you feel about it, but like I started YouTube like 10 years ago, nine and a half years ago. And at the time, having a baby, talking about motherhood, everybody was doing it, but it looks so different now to how people blog. I was even thinking that like everything is so, not everything, but there's so much is like aesthetically pleasing, which that was not the case when we first started. We were just like, no one has done this before. We're sharing our space. Did you find that shift kind of tricky? I really did. I was really in a little bit of a funk for about a year. And 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 during this time we had my family and I sold our house and we went on a road trip around the US and Canada for 18 months in an RV with our four kids. And so I I kind of switched to doing some travel content on another platform. And that was a good transition in that I could focus on telling that story while I tried to figure out, you know, I was sort of in like a brand identity crisis, right? Am I going to be baby rabies forever? I didn't want to be. Um, but also it was such a substantial platform to just give up. So um I really had like this online identity crisis for like a year. And I will be honest, I'm still going through this crisis. I still don't blog as much as I used to. Um, It also feels like as writers and content creators, we used to be able to just share random mundane anything musings. Um, And number one, I think it was received well because 
there wasn't so the market wasn't so saturated, right? Like there weren't a ton of content creators back then. And now there's just so many, I can't even keep up. And also I feel like the tone of everything has changed so much politically and in terms of like what we need to be dedicating our efforts to. I mean, the things I used to get upset about and blog about now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so petty and stupid, you know? And now I just don't have the energy to really like be fired up about something or be passionate about something enough to write about it. If it's not, I don't know, going to make a difference or if it's not, I'm I'm not going to blog about my like trip to Starbucks, you know, I don't know. So that's been the big shift for me. Would you think the same thing? Oh yeah. I'm nodding over here. I, I am with you. I remember. Yeah. It's almost like if you don't have a hashtag or a mission or some sort of movement you're trying to create, is there a point to what you're sharing? Like, I know exactly what you mean. And then, you know, I'm finding where I had to change the the story I was telling myself that like, the people that were watching me that were having the babies when I had the babies are probably also still watching and probably like me, not that interested in baby stuff anymore. I'm kind of like, wow, look at those wrinkles on my eyes. That's something. Um, this powder blush isn't working anymore. You know, like what, what kind of makeup do I use? Or, you know, what I don't have a mom, for example, that went through menopause. What the heck is menopause? Like all of these things that I find I'm curious about that I noticed if I kept looking to what I'd been doing before wasn't serving me. And I was like, all right, well, there's not as many people talking about women getting older or just older women on the internet. Not that we're older women, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah. And it's like, but oh, fine. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be that trailblazer there because we kind of did that with the babies when we started. And so we're just going to have to do it again. And, but exactly. It, yeah. I, I say like that, like, like that was easy, but that was like a process of me. Like, what the heck am I talking about? What am I doing? Another thing I find tricky as a creator right now is there are so many platforms and it's like, where are we supposed to be? <laughs> you know, do you have to do everything partially well or stick to what you're really good at if it's writing or photography? Like that I find is tricky too. And it can be like kind of this paralysis by analysis. Like I just won't do the thing anymore, even though you're great at it. Right. Yeah. I completely agree. Mm. So I actually met you at the Mom 2.0 conferences probably the second one. I can't remember. Time goes quickly, although slow at all the same time, but oh my gosh, I love those conferences. Like I miss them so much. And I don't think, so had the world gone along as normal, I don't think I was going to go to 2020. We just had a busier year and job changes. And I thought, well, I'll just tough it out here. And oh, now I'm missing that. Like I can't, that next one, I'll probably just go for just to see people. Like it's, it's what? gonna be wild. We're all gonna be. I'm. I'm just gonna go for like a week, and I. I. It's just. I hope they're prepared for just like I don't know, five hundred or however many of us. Just we're gonna be like released into the wild for the first time in like two years, 
It's going to be incredible. And for those listening, what it is, is it's a conference of women creators, makers, business owners all come together and knowledge dump and share, but also just the social element of it. Cause so many of us live around the world and we all, and especially around the U S predominantly U S creators, uh, but come together and just get to like see each other in real time. And you all kind of do the same thing. So it's like, boom, you get to level two of that conversation real quick. And it's so fun. Um, So we obviously share being creators in common and going through different stages and trying to share publicly. And something that you've been really sharing is, you know, having just mental health struggles and dealing with all sorts of things. I know lately I saw in your Instagram stories mentioning ADHD. So how has I guess there's so many questions all in one, but first of all, sharing this, has this been an easy thing for you online? Well, I started sharing about my mental health when I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety, when my second baby was like nine or 10 months old. So that was terrifying because up to that point, my blog was like maybe three-ish years old, three or four. Um, I was known for being a really sarcastic, funny, self-deprecating writer. And that is not at all in line with being like, hey guys, I'm going to talk to you about mental health. Um, But that experience and how I found out that postpartum anxiety was even a thing. I mean, so this was back in 2011 and the just, I, I don't know that people, that parents now who are new parents can grasp how far that conversation has come in 10 years. Um, But back then, you know, basically it was just like women on Twitter talking about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. And I would see things here and there and I would think, wow, a lot of people I'm friends with have this and that's so strange. And I'm so glad I'm not one of them. And, And then at the same time, I was struggling severely with obsessive, intrusive thoughts of how I might hurt my baby. I was to the point where I could not walk up a flight of stairs with a baby at all. Like I, we were looking for a house and I refused to look for a second story house. And at the time I just, that seemed normal, but like, that's not normal. Right. Um, and also extreme rage. I was so angry but like none of these were things that would you would check off the list for depression, right? I wasn't sad. I wasn't crying. Um, and so I stumbled upon something on the internet that gave a list of symptoms for postpartum anxiety. And that was a, like one of the biggest moments of my life, completely changed my life because I sat there and I read and I thought, oh my gosh, I check every single one of these. And it was this moment where I like was terrifying. And it was also so much relief because in that moment, I realized that it wasn't that I was a bad mom, which I was convinced I was just not made for motherhood, but it was that I was sick. And if you're sick, then you can get better. And so that I was so compelled after I had taken my medicine for like a month and started to feel better. That's when I shared that story. And, um, you know, I didn't know how it would be received. And it was just massive amounts of support and so many emails and comments from mothers who said, I had no idea this was a thing. This is me too. And still to this day, like what, 10 years later, I still have people 
were saying, my friend just sent me this blog post from however many years ago. And I just recognized that this is what I have. So from that point on, it just got easier and easier to share about it. And now I just have like regular old generalized anxiety, which I've probably had my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I just, I think I'll never not share about that because it was somebody else sharing that saved me. You know, that point about how, um, how people today might not realize that sharing something like that 10 years ago was just not what we did. I, looking back, probably had pregnancy-induced anxiety. Like I couldn't get off the sofa. I was so down. I attributed that to having been living in a foreign place. I was living overseas and I thought, oh, I just miss home. But like there's missing home and then there's not leaving the sofa. Right. So it Ah. was, it was wild. And so it's just blows my mind how in such a short span of time, women and mothers are so much more supported in many ways, just by feeling validated in what they're experiencing. And it's interesting to know that you had contributed to that in a, in a seemingly small way, but there's something about searching the internet late into the night and going, oh my gosh, that's me. Um, or, oh my, I see myself in that person and that community that you create just by sharing something super vulnerable. So it's kind of amazing when you think about it, right? Like the impact well, that it, it has. This is like something that I've really been ruminating on a lot. And I think that you'll probably relate to is I know that in our line of work, maybe not you, because you seem to have an incredible amount of confidence, which I so admire and wish that I could like embrace. And I love it. But I always find that I'm having to like, stop myself from downplaying what I do for a living. Right. So when I, like people ask me what I do, um, you know, when I tell them I'm a blogger or content creator an influencer, I can feel, even if they don't roll their eyes at me, I can feel them internally rolling their eyes at me. And so, you know, sometimes I'll laugh it off or I'll say, but I'm looking for another job or whatever, you know, it was just to get me through motherhood. And we have to stop that. I tell myself, I have to stop that because we are part of this incredible historical movement of women for the first time in history having the ability to harness their own narrative and look at the changes we have made so quickly because we've been able to tell our own stories how we want without going through a magazine editor, uh, you know, a typically a white cis man mm-hmm. to like die, you know, to to dissolve our our narrative to something that's more palatable. And because we have been able to put this information out there, even if it's in sassy TikToks or, you know, Instagram captions or whatever it is, we have completely changed the trajectory of what motherhood is like and the access to this information for other women. And we, this is for me, I say this to myself, we have to be so freaking proud of that. Oh, heck yes. I remember those days. What do you do for work, Amanda? Oh, well, I'm, well, what do you do? I'm a stay-at-home mom. And even the other day I noticed, which is ridiculous because now I'm confident as heck, but you have your moments. I was at a class and I was with a friend and this person, I don't know why, but I kept talking about my husband's job because I always think that's such a cool job. He's a pilot. People have so many questions. And my friend goes, yeah, but she's a kick-ass content creator. She's da-da-da-da-da. She's supporting her family this year. And I was like, 
what in the heck, Amanda? Like you're, this was last year, 2020. And I'm still have my moments of doubting myself. And it's like, you're right. Like it's because people don't realize how much goes into the behind the scenes to be, you know, confident enough or even willing to be scared enough to put yourself out there. Like there's so many little pieces involved. As content creators, we don't think too much about these things. And I'm not trying to like overinflate our egos here, but like when you look back and you see what has changed in the last 10 years, that change is not coming from big corporations. It's coming from women who have access to the internet and being able to tell their story. So true. So people can make fun of mommy bloggers or influencers all they want, but like as a whole, we are really changing the narrative for women. Absolutely. So tell me, like, has sharing your, so, you know, you, you, from the start, very scary to share that blog post about what you were experiencing. It's gotten easier. Do you find that you feel an obligation to share what you're going through to kind of be like, Hey, this is where I'm at. Almost like a, you know, if you haven't heard from me for a month, this is why I need to share it. I might be saying this because I sometimes feel like that. Like I need (laughs) to give a reason, but do you ever feel that, you have to share. I try to remind myself, like, this isn't the Truman show, right? They're not going to have access to every minute of my life. So I feel like there's my part of the story to share. And then there's not. So, you know, if I'm going through something with a child, especially the older ones, that's not something I'm really sharing at this time, unless I have a conversation with that child and, And it's something that they've okayed me to share. Um, But I do, you know, like the divorce. um, So my ex and I separated last summer and we decided to divorce in October. So there was this real like limbo flux time. We were working on things, trying to figure things out. Um, And I knew that I would have to say something at some point, right? You don't just like blog about your family for 10 years and then suddenly like this guy is not on any of your content anymore. But um, I also took some fantastic advice from some friends and um, fellow content creators and my therapist and just made sure that I was at a point where I was able to put up some strong boundaries around what I was sharing and be able to maintain those boundaries and also not use my platform as a place to process my emotions and my trauma, which is something I probably would have done back in like 2010, right? Blogging was a very like emotional therapeutic process for me back then. Um, But processing my emotions around pregnancy and, and young parenthood is a lot different than writing a narrative about my kid's father that they could come back and and read. So, you know, it's just making choices based on that individual moment. So this was, you know, with this, I knew that I would have to tell people, but I also made sure in my post, I said, this is what I can tell you. And um, this is not an ask me anything session. So like, this is the information I'm putting out there and you need to respect that. That's all I'm sharing at this time. And I've come back and shared a little bit more as time has gone on and I've been able to process more and we've figured more out. Um, But I think that's been the key is, yes, like sharing with them updates, but also like a new thing for me is putting up boundaries with my audience 
I used to let them have a lot of access to me and felt like since I was putting my life out there that I had to be willing to hear all this criticism and feedback. But I don't believe that's the case anymore. I noticed that. I read that post and I thought it was so beautifully, like obviously you're a great writer, it shows, but it was so beautifully done because it was like, here's this very hard thing. And I'm going to share some of the bits of the hard thing, but some of it I'm not going to share. And I think that that is a true problem. Like the access that we feel obligated to give people simply because of how we've chosen to share our lives. And it is, I find I always come back to, okay, like if something's not working or I'm feeling really zapped or drained, it's like, there must be a barrier that I accidentally took down or something, a boundary, because I'm there's some energy seeping from me and I don't know where it is and I got to plug that hole. So pause everything and figure it out. And it's a constant revision for me, I find. And like you said, that part about processing what you're experiencing online, this is something you know I find weird this time because of the nature of the way the world is going right now. It's like, I don't find that there's a lot of time for me personally to process outside of what I'm doing. And it's the lines are getting blurry, you know, and you are going to ultimately feel me. I will ultimately feel the impact of that as we go. Right. So I think, you know, those boundaries have become very apparent to your audience and it's necessary and it's not done in a harsh way. It's just like, this is a real person's life. Like you said, it's not the Truman show, right? And I think also in the way that I create content and I'm not trying to amass a a 3 million Instagram follower audience that literally sounds like a nightmare and I would quit Instagram the next day. Um, I even like my Facebook page, I used to be all about like growing my Facebook page, getting super big. And now I can't even stand it because I've amassed such a following there of people who don't even connect with me on this level. And anytime I post something on Facebook now, I'm like, Oh, I hate all of you. (laughs) I'm just going to go to Instagram, you know? So I think I have evolved to know that my value is not in being a mass produced mass market influencer, blogger, or whatever. Um, because you do have to be palatable to be able to collect all of these people, you know, and I would rather just be completely authentically me and connect with people who are in that same space with me at that same time. And I've had people who have followed me on Instagram and messaged me and said, Oh my gosh, I used to follow you like 10 years ago, but then I got a divorce. My life went crazy. You were like living this completely other life that I couldn't really relate to. But now I I'm back. Like I love this new phase you're in. And like, listen, no hard feelings. I love that for you. I love that you curated me out of your life when we weren't connecting. And I wish that everybody could do that. Like, I think it's been a mind shift for me. Like no hard feelings, you know, we can, we can come back another time. And just because I unfollow you, because now you're in this like phase where you're, I don't know, you're super into like sharing your home renovation. Like, I love that for you. And there was a time in my life when I would be super excited to follow that. But right now I'm just like focusing on survival and like I'm following mental health accounts, you know? So I think it's also just a mind shift in how we connect with our audience. And, you know, I feel too, that there's a part of it where as you get older, you're 
like, I just don't have time for stuff that doesn't serve me. Like I don't have to prove myself to anyone. So you're right. Like I've not only created boundaries for like, you know, what we create, but it's also boundaries for what you consume. Isn't it? Like, yes, this is making me feel bad to see this thing that you're going through. Now it doesn't mean I don't like you. It's just hurting right. my and heart. And it's nothing right? on that person at <laughs> yeah. all. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we have to understand that you can love someone and admire them and want the best for them and realize you can't consume what they're putting out because it's not safe and healthy for you. And I completely respect that. Did you know we've released a shop where you can support Frendo? Check out hellofrendo.com and explore. That's H-E-L-L-O F-R-I-E-N-D-O.com and shop mugs, shirts, stickers, hoodies, and more. We're constantly adding new goodies for you. Your purchase directly supports the show and the work involved in creating it for your ears. So thank you. Check out hellofriendo.com. All right, back to the show. But I remember meeting you just prior to you going on that RV adventure. And I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. Um, Because now having an RV on YouTube, like everybody is doing it. But before this was pretty new. (laughs) Here we are again, doing things before they're cool and trendy. Um, So in that time, you know, I feel like there's been a shift. And now naturally your life has changed with a new chapter with your divorce. But was this shift intentional? Did you feel it coming or was it kind of like this natural progress? You know, because I I have a note here where it's like stronger opinions, fierce feminism, allyship, independence, like all of this stuff just started to like almost burst out of you. Yeah. I mean, I would say, listen, you don't sell your dream house and like 90% of the stuff you own and light your life on fire if everything's good and breezy. Like that's... <laughs> Really not how it works. So, um, you know, I think the the RV trip, we were in a space where, so my ex who I, he's a great guy and we still have a wonderful relationship. Um, he and I both grew up really poor and we both put ourselves through college. And, and that was a big part of our bond was like, we were like going to make it together. And, um, and we did, and we got to this like American dream level where was literally living the life that both of us as children were like, this is what we want and we never had. And, you know, able to give our children all these amazing things. And it was a nightmare and it wasn't what we wanted. And it, and that's disappointing to have worked up to this level and then not be happy with where you are. And that coincided with the uh, US 2016 election. And I was like 36 weeks pregnant when Trump was elected, <laughs> highly do not recommend not being able to get drunk in that moment. Like, um, <laughs> so there were just so many emotions and hormones and, and our relationship was strained at that point. And, um, so it was sort of like a hail Mary. So like, you know, our, our son wasn't doing well in school. We weren't really happy with the area we lived. And so it was like, it, it just seems like we needed to light everything on fire and see what came out of the ashes. And the good news is that the 18 months that we were on the road as a family, number one, incredibly stressful. And I already mentioned like on a personal level, really, I have trauma that I have to deal with from the stress of the work. But as a family brought us together, we have amazing memories and we don't regret any of it. I mean, our kids got to go to all these national parks. We went up to Canada. 
They saw the Hockey Hall of Fame, you know, it was a huge deal. We lived at Disney World for six weeks. Like, it was crazy. Didn't you um, actually, just to interrupt for a second, didn't you write a book when you were on the road? I wrote a book right before, like, I actually got the contract to write my first book when we put our house on the market. So I was writing the book while we were like getting ready to sell. And then it came out while we were on the road. So I had to promote it from the road. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of work and, and crazy, but like no regrets. So then as we got back from the RV trip and we settled in here in Texas, um, it was still like another 10 months where I was the sole income provider while my ex was trying to find a job. And, um, in that there was just a lot of personal growth. I just think it, I I attribute a lot of it to the Trump presidency, honestly, and going, you know, seeing my, my privilege as a white woman and this, this platform that I had amassed and realizing like, what, what even good is this? all these people that I have influence with, if I cannot use it to make a change. And so it was just this culmination of all kinds of things. And yeah. And then really just finding my voice, um, not to make this super long, but like another thing that really started to become apparent on the road is I, um, I'm a rape survivor. I was raped like 20 years ago, right before my ex and I started dating. And it was a trauma that I had packaged away and assumed I would never open it again. And I would just move on with my life. And then it just became apparent that it was something I had to deal with as the Me Too movement came out and Brett Kavanaugh hearings were all extremely triggering. So it was just these four years of peeling these layers back and just trying to figure out who I am. And I'm still trying to figure it out. (laughs) No kidding. And I think, and so much of that too is all like, how old is your youngest? Is he four or five? He's four. He's four. four. Just from four. And you know, there is something as you leave the baby stage with your kids, you have more time to like ruminate over things and you're not, you're just not busy every minute of every day. And that is kind of a scary thing sometimes when you have Definitely. stuff and a life that you have to unpack. Um, and when things don't seem to be a court going according to plan, like it's, it can be quite debilitating. Um, and I got to say, like, I know you said at the top, like, you're not really sure what you're doing kind of online or, or, you know, something on that nature. I love what you're doing. I love following it. It just seems so unapologetic. And it's really like, I'm always like, yes, every time I see a little post, you know, it's like, look at you go. You know, I think it can be so easy to pigeonhole yourself as a creator sometimes or to be super brand friendly or whatever word you want to use so you're not hurting anyone's feelings but i think at times like that is was that's what's going to set you apart is like i like to know maybe it's just a me thing but i like to know what people stand for i like to know people's opinions i like to feel what their what their true self is cuz i feel like that's what connects me so i appreciate what you're up to that's for sure well thank you so this next chapter that you're on here, this you're a single mom, you're figuring things out. You don't have it all figured out yet. I mean, who really does? But you know, you speak about your vibrant chapter on your platform. You know, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, 
The choice to leave my marriage, it was my choice. And that has been something I've had to navigate also because I feel like, um, you know, as a mom, there's a lot of pressure to martyr ourselves, sacrifice our happiness to keep our families together. And really for me, um, so this time last year I was suicidal and that was horrifying, but it's the first time that I've ever felt that way in my life. And, um, and I also have a family history of that. So that's super terrifying. And luckily with my background and sharing my mental health and being surrounded by the mental health community, I knew exactly where to go for resources. I got into the doctor, I got on medicine, I started therapy ASAP. Um, but it was one of these wake up calls where I was like, okay, because there was no real obvious reason why I would feel that way. And I thought, you have four kids you have to live for and like, you need to figure this out. Um, and so it became this, I kind of coined it as like, I have to break shit to live. You know, like when, when somebody stops breathing and they do CPR on them, they break their ribs. And it's like, sometimes you have to just like break stuff. If you want to really live, it's self-care isn't beautiful and Zen and yoga. It's like the really hard stuff. But on the other end of all of this breaking things and fear has been this life in full color that I completely forgot even existed. It's like in WandaVision when, you know, all of a sudden the color comes on the screen, you know, and you didn't even realize you were living in black and white. Um, that is, you know, and I, and I'm not fully in color yet. Right. But like every now and then I'll see a little spark of it and that's like, okay, this is the right decision. And, and I have to keep going. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I am with that choice and that transition right now. Breaking things to live. I would never, I'm a very visual person and that is very, it's very accurate. And, you know, I thank you for sharing your vulnerability with me with the suicide. I didn't know that those that was part of your journey, those thoughts. I have a lot of people in my life who struggle pretty hard with their mental health. And it's hard to understand, you know, how a person like myself, who's never had those thoughts, like how or why would a person think of those things? And so I find what's beautiful about people sharing these experiences now online is every now and then you kind of get a glimpse into a story from another person. It, it like normalizes really this conversation and also creates it around a person you love dearly. Like, you know, people may not know you personally, but they welcome you into their lives and they've followed you for years. And so to hear this person that I love and admire and who inspires me daily also has these struggles. And I find it's, um, it's important. I know for me to try to understand more in order to be more supportive or even just have more empathy for what people go through and, you know, to be able to be strong enough to see that like 
something's not right. I don't know. I don't know if I have the tools in place to solve it myself, but I'm going to figure this out is extremely admirable. And, you know, I, I find lately, like there's some pretty traumatic, um, what's the commercials that are on regular TV, which I very rarely watch to be honest, but in Canada talking about the impact of this pandemic, which we haven't really even talked about, but the impact of this pandemic on mental health and, you know, thank goodness for some of those commercials because you might not even know that a family member or someone you love is, is experiencing these things. Cause I don't feel like it's something people just randomly like over coffee, like, Hey, I had this thought, you know? Yeah, definitely not. It's not going to come out like that. So, um, normalizing it is such an important thing in this process. And I wish you all the best for one on that journey because you got stuff, right? Like you said, those moments of vibrancy, it's so important to hold on to that. What is next for you? Are you working on any projects right now? Is it more life focused? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. I mean, I um, I need to get into a rental house this summer so that my kids can come back and forth and, and stay with me at my place. And so whatever I need to do to make that happen, um, you know, I'm trying to look and see if I need to do, I'm going to have to get, you know, I'm in the US, so I'm going to have to get a job with healthcare. Um, so, you know, like divorce is a lot of moving pieces and, and it's a lot of figuring out how to adult on my own, because I will fully admit that my ex was the one who handled a lot of adulting decisions while I handled a lot of like the childcare stuff. So it's been, you know, a learning process on both of our parts and I'm figuring out the adulting part. Um, but I'm still so passionate about wanting to create and connect in this next stage of life. And like you were talking about earlier, like, I think it's so exciting that we are still paving the way for this next chapter for so many women. And it's so important that we show up and we create genuine, authentic content. And we don't let this chapter of our lives, you know, be overrun by inauthenticity. Um, so I'm still going to show up and I'm still going to write and, and I'm just going to see what happens. I'm very much trying to embrace living in the moment because I'm a type seven. I don't know if you do the Enneagram, but I'm like all about, you know, planning ahead and, and avoiding present discomfort. And so that's been a real part of my journey is sitting in the stillness and the quiet and being okay with being uncomfortable about not knowing what's next. I feel like I'm a three and a seven or something. I know I, there's like a wing this and wing that, yeah. but that thought of like the stillness, that is hard stuff, right? I mean, I'm remembering there's two posts that you've done. One was on Instagram where you were figuring out how to use a drill or even that you didn't realize yeah. you didn't have a drill. Right. And yes. just like this whole thing. And I was like, oh my God, it made me think about, you know, I'm not in a similar phase. Right. But I'm like, would I be able to do the drill thing? No, I always get Dean to do it. That's stupid. It's like, I should know how to do this. Right. And then the other was a blog post about being too much. Um, which I thought was just so poignant and so true. Like, you know, sometimes we can go through things and share online. And I'm like, you know, just personally speaking, I'm like, am I sharing too much of this? Am I too annoying right now? Am I too much of a downer? It's like, screw that. This is my story right now. And it will evolve and go up and down as things always do. But there will be someone that needs to hear this story and to feel connected to you. And 
What's tricky about being a trailblazer is like there isn't a formula in place to know what the right way to do something is. Um, and maybe it's not as squeaky clean as like seeing some newborn baby photo and, you know, but there's a ton of people who are done with that version of life and who need people to continue to reach out to and to connect with as they carry on. What makes me the happiest are those emails and DMs that I get from mostly women who are saying, thank you so much. This changed my life. This, you know, I really needed to hear this. That's what I save and print out. And and that's what I'm most proud of. What's amazing too, you know, you said that person that will find that blog post from nine, 10 years ago and all of a sudden catch up and how fun. Like, I love that personally when I find a person I love and admire, and then I can just watch or listen or read and just pay attention to their life as they go. It's fun to see that because I think as much as we are able to connect with people, you know, in real time or, you know, it, it, it's still it's still important that digital kind of virtual friendship. And I really, I mean, there's people that I almost, someone said this to me the other day. It's like, you almost end up kind of loving them. Like they're people you've chosen to be part of your life. And it's, you know, it's strange when they do, not that you've said you're going anywhere, but I feel like sometimes we wonder as creators, like what's next? Do I need to get like a nine to five job? Like, how do I, you know, how do I figure this out? Um, but I think that there's, yeah, it's, it's like, we don't want anyone to go anywhere. We love them. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I mean, I have my favorites too, for sure. Absolutely. Well, it's been so fun chatting with you today and I appreciate you taking the time. And um, where can people find you online? Well, I'm sharing mostly uh, Instagram right now. So I'm at Jill Krause with a dot before the E. So J-I-L-L-K-R-A-U-S dot E. Um, and then my blog is jillkrause.com. And then I have a Facebook page too, but I'm mostly sharing on those other two platforms. And uh, thanks for being here. And thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Amanda. Hi, Dean. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the uh, man-friendo portion of the podcast. Hi, friendos. Hello. I love the word friendo. Isn't it just fun? It is kind of fun. It's fun to say, hey, friendo. I know. It's like that movie there with, um, well, everybody knows the movie. I don't know the movie. All right. Well, whatever. Moving on. So, Jill Krause. Oh, my God. Lots to, lots to talk about, Jill. Wow. Amazing. Lots to talk about. Where to begin? First of all, I know that you follow Jill online right now. Yeah. I met her a few years ago. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. She is awesome. She's well established and she's got a good message. And, and um, but like just jumping right in, because I was excited to listen to her uh, interview because, you know, you're also in the vlogging social Space, media yeah. crowd and... When you listen to Jill, there's a lot of things that come up that are, you know, very much the same uh, with you. And um, so it was cool to hear, like to start off right off the bat, you know, she's very well spoken and she has a good message. She's very grounded. But the thing that really comes across is she really knows herself. You know, don't you find that? Oh, yeah. Especially being someone who started in the space before it was cool to do what she's right. doing. She's like, a, what do they call it? A Trailblazer, an OG. An OG, right? What does OG stand for? Original. OG. Origi- 
Oh, original. Yeah. Oh, I thought there would be an L in there if that was... Anyway, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, and like we were saying, you know, there wasn't a rule book. There wasn't like the presets that you buy so that your Instagram looks a certain way so you attract a certain clientele. It was like bare bones, this is my life right now. Yeah. Somebody please like tell me that I'm not alone. And that's where a lot of us started. Right. And where's the documentary that we can watch on Netflix about you know, this business and people that started it up and people that were doing it. It's really interesting, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I wonder if it was part of like, you know, it must have grown from the access to media, you know, because in the old days, I guess people were just writing it on a piece of paper and sticking it in their sock drawer mm-hmm. and, you know, sharing it with their, their friend over tea or something like that. Exactly And now that. it's like a, yeah, interesting. Hmm. And I love and I love the part too that she was saying how, you know, it was a very powerful part for me being that I do a similar job. But you know, it was, it was created by regular people. It wasn't, you know, from these powerful people in corporations saying, guess what, we should get a bunch of women to start documenting their lives. We just naturally did it. Yeah. And it's amazing how much I've seen a change since since I started, since she started, because she was a few years ahead of me. Right. But it's um, it's pretty amazing to be part of that experience. It is. Yeah, it is. I think one thing that really hit me when I was listening to it, uh, specifically, she said, um, you know, I really like, I'm one type of, I'm up, well, she, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, I'm one type of person you know, uh, my my situation is my scenario is, is 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 unique to this time period in a way, and I change, and you know that's kind of left her like, oh, what am I supposed to talk about now? Specifically, that she had, you know, she was having babies. She started off as a mummy blogger, and then the babies grow up, and she moves on, and then now she's going through a, a separation, pending divorce, and you and there's a lot of fear, you know, for. For someone that's that has this one platform, then it shifts to another platform, and then what she says later is that, you know, it's okay to do that. Like, you know, people that follow her or follow you because you're in kind of a similar boat about one particular scenario that you know in the, in in your case it was babies and uh, Malaysia and all this type of stuff, and people won't find that it's valid to them anymore, and they will move on and get and then you know what she says. That's okay. And and you know with 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 love and respect that's totally okay. And why I specifically like what she said there was because one of the things and you know I'm not involved in this really except now I guess I am because I'm talking on this <laughs> friendo but I really like the authenticity of people that are contributing to social media. I like people that are themselves and don't put themselves up on some high horse. And, and you know, of course, in, in social media, you're going to get people that follow you and love you and really identify with you. And that's good. That's the service, right? That's the, the duty that you have uh, taking up the mic and, and the camera. But you don't have to believe it. And I think as soon as you get into that mode where you're like, yeah, I have... 100,000 or whatever subscribers, I'm just so awesome. No, no, you're not. And untouchable. You basically Mm -hmm. have a platform that allows your opinion to go to more people. That doesn't make you 
greater than anyone or anything like that. It just makes you more available. And we see this a lot in social media that people get up, you know, get big heads on them and all of a sudden they're talking about this and they're flashing their, you know, they got a little bit of money and they're flashing their cars and all that stuff. <laughs> or their blue check marks. What's, oh, the blue Right? Like as yeah. if that means anything. Right. Right? And it's not currency. It's well, like, it's not currency. That's yeah. it. A view is not currency. Mm-hmm. And, and nor should it be. If you do well and you're successful in social media, good for you. But that is not the point. The point is, is that you're providing, you're sharing your life with somebody else out there. And you're almost like a bargain. You're not a, a mental health professional, but you're you're kind of helping with people's mental health because they're finding somebody they can identify with. And Jill is really, really good at that. Like she was really together. Anyway. It's very true. And it's a, and I think as a consumer, it's a free service you know it's all for free you get to get this access to people for free yeah and i think from a consumer standpoint too it's important to know that sometimes you know a certain story a certain narrative is going to work for a while for a creator and then their interests wane or in the case of a lot of parenting creators their children get older and their ability, so the creator's ability to tell a story hasn't changed. It's just that the storyline has changed a bit. Right. And I, I too really appreciate that and almost needed to hear it myself. Like, it's oh, okay sure. to love someone's work, love their work ethic, but that story no longer serves you. And that right. it's like, you know, I'm going to mute that for a little while because it's just, it's not really something I'm interested in. Yeah. That's okay. Right. Those boundaries are important from a creator side of things and also a person who's just enjoying the content that's out there. Right. And I think it was fun to see the like pull the curtain back a little bit behind, you know, someone as successful as Jill and see what it's like to be, you know, in this time of transition. Right. Like a certain story worked. She's had achieved incredible success books you name it and she's like hey i'm still here and i'm just going to be talking about something a little different um and to really see someone use their platform with intent with you know purpose and a sense of responsibility is very admirable now she spoke about in the your interview with her about you know going to and i think you've had this as well but you're going to an event or you're in a social situation and people ask what you do Mm. and this is one of the this is a pet peeve for me because i really don't like talking about flying or pilot stuff like at all um that's you can interview me in another segment i'll tell Mm -hmm. you but the whole thing is is that you know there's that this vlogging and blogging and being a social media person when you're doing it responsibly when you're like not thinking you're all that in a bag of Doritos. <laughs> By the way, Doritos, that sponsorship's going to cost you right there. <laughs> so people ask you like, you know, if you're a, if you're a, a anesthesiologist and you're at a party or whatever and you say, what do you do? I'm an anesthesiologist. And people will be like, wow. Mm-hmm. If you go up to in a party and you say, yeah, I'm a vlogger. And people go, Oh, yeah, cool. Well, I'm going to go over here and get a drink. <laughs> okay, well, let me tell you this, though. And she, oh. she's self-depreciating. You know, that's her, her habit. She was like, yeah, but I'm going to get a real job. That right there, you know, like, it's such an injustice because this is my opinion. Heavy opinion coming. Okay, warning, warning, warning. Go. 
All right. When you're doing a service for somebody for free, now, it, it is it is just such a sad thing to see how we compare each other by the jobs that we do. That is the illusion. It's all about you're just paying bills. That's it. You got to go spend time away from your family and do your profession. You don't, you know, whether you get like, an, uh, you know, you're in a job that gets a lot of accolades like pilot or whatever, or doctor or that type of stuff. That's really nice. But really, what is it doing? It doesn't, you know, it's just, it's like a thing of just being enviable. And what am I doing for the average Joe as a pilot? Or what is this person doing for the average Joe? But here, here you have a person that's involved in social media who's drawing attention to, you know, their own struggle, their own mental health, their own whatever. And you can tune in, identify it with it and listen to it. And that in itself is like, I'm not alone in this world. I'm not alone in my situation. You're not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And, and you're not pretending to be. That itself is amazing, uh, 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 you know, respectable, uh, uh, a respectable service, respectable work. There's nothing to be ashamed about. And I think, it, sorry, and I think that you've experienced some of that in yourself, even maybe from your husband. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Oh Especially God. when you start in a career, because this is a career. Let me just tell you the volume of work that goes into this. It's no joke. But when you start it before it's popular, when you start it before people even know what it is. I remember blogging. That word's been around for a long time. But I used to tell people, I, uh, I vlog and they're like, what? I don't know what that means. Yeah. Like people didn't actually know what it meant, me. probably. Yeah. Um, people didn't know what it meant. People didn't understand. What do you mean like you're on YouTube? What are you doing there? So I mean, when you're in a starting something that you have to explain the nuts and bolts of a situation, you're right. just like, you know what? I'm an accountant. <laughs> like that TikTok thing. <laughs> what do you do for work? I'm an accountant. <laughs> I do what accountants do. Because it's like so damn complicated to explain it. Yeah. Now, it's a lot easier. But then you go from saying what you do at a time where nobody knew what it was yeah. to a time now when everybody is an influencer. And you're yeah. like, oh God, like how does one explain what I do? Well, You know, then, do you start with all your successes first? Like I've written well, two books. I've done all well, these things, it. right? How much is enough? Like the fact that people write a book. Mm -hmm. You know, I sat down and I was trying to write my, my overseas memoir on a, you know, or not write it, but record it and stuff. And I realized, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Your brain's all over the place and it's, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And well, the other thing is that, you know, because it's you're providing a service, there's this thing about pay and what you do. And this kind of confuses me a little bit. Like Jill didn't really talk about this, but, you know, people are think it's an easy job. They think it's it's something that and, and I'm I'm. I'm only I only know about it through association with you. The amount of hours that you spend in this office editing, talking on the phone, answering emails is unbelievable. I think you make probably about a buck 25 an hour. <laughs> and 
And well, because you don't count in the DMs that you're spending time on answering comments, right. which isn't even done in the office. I'm doing it when I'm sitting on the sofa looking like I'm just drinking coffee, you know? like Well, that, that's the thing. But, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, this is something that when people see you, you notice you have like, you're posting something about your normal life as you do. There's, you know, nothing special. Mostly, I don't really notice it because it's not... Just you know, regular old life stuff. It's just regular old life. Yeah. You know, there's no lights or sometimes there's lights mm-hmm. or whatever. But um, when people, you know, you have whatever, this many likes or you notice this in another social media person. The minute that you endorse a product or do like a service, you know, you're doing a lot of, of, of that. Uh, people like don't like it. No. Like, like there's three it's or four. True. They're just like, what right does she have to make a living? It's well, very, it's painful from a creator standpoint because you're like oh my gosh if you went on my youtube channel right now i have nearly 800 videos like that's a lot of hours on the internet i I get something like a million watch time minutes a month like that's wild right so you have all this content and the smallest portion less than 20 videos probably are sponsored or something maybe 30 of of 800 you know like that's wild yeah the, the world is changing you know you're the people that support what you do and understand the space they get it there was a time where it was backlash after backlash when creators were trying to make a living from what they do yeah. and a lot of people the transition wasn't a wasn't feasible they had to go back and do something else for work which is hey it's respectable a person's got to do what they got to do yeah. right um but i just i think for me it's wonderful to hear the stories of other people who kind of started in a similar year that i started and where they are now and how they're able to stay in the business because i think it's a tricky spot when there isn't a handbook and when your life does change how do you navigate that change, right? right? I feel like now watching it being kind of like this older creator now in, in some ways, watching this next generation of creators, especially women who started out in a certain phase of life and are now all switching into having children. It's really interesting to watch that change because you're like, oh, I get it. Like I've been in that spot. I know how hard it is to try to manage everything with little kids. It's very tricky, you know, Um and I mean, I feel like we could talk about this as like a whole separate episode because now it's more acceptable to have people working for you and to have hire out a team to help you support in what you do so you can just create and have other people do other parts of it. And, you know, we've headed that uh, social media and advertising and, and uh, uh, you know, services online. We've all been headed that direction hard for years now. Mm-hmm. And now it's becoming the new form of entertainment. Like... You know, there's a few people that I follow uh, that, that um, you know, talking about anxiety and and uh, bringing awareness to the, the anxiety type thing, because I feel it, you know, after losing my job and, uh, you know, find myself just, you know, lost because I made the mistake of identifying myself with my job for so long that when it's gone, you're just like, who am I? What am I? And that's why like, there's a certain portion of me that from before that, you know, you could kind of see, I think I could kind of see that, you know, the way your life progresses is that you really need to just keep yourself real as much as possible and, 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 uh, and not really identify with what you do. It's a dangerous thing, isn't it? You know, 
business owners they're so proud to go to and you know they open their business and they're doing well and all of a sudden bang it's closed and you know what do you do now like like you need to have a purpose in your life but what is that purpose is it you know you know what I'm, where mm-hmm. I'm going with this? Oh, yeah. I think, you know, kind of to, to come full circle in this conversation with Jill specifically and creator life and, you know, just creating in general, I think a, a big uh, change for me was a few years ago when I realized that this was like a thing is I made myself a mission statement oh. and I always come back to it about, you know, it tells, it helps me be very clear about my purpose, how I'm impacting people. But also to stay very grounded, you know, to continue to see the privilege in having this platform and how you are responsible with the messages that you share and that you're including other people, just so that you don't become confused about your role, that you're not some center of some universe. The world is very big and people have very different lived experiences. Oh, yeah. And, and And other people, you know, need to keep it real as well. And I think that's what I so appreciate about what Jill does, because it's like, I love seeing the chapters change in people's you know, how they create. And I love seeing them be true to their experience and their stories. And right. I just appreciate that about her. Yeah, so. that's great. She's a she's a wonderful person. And I, I really am glad that uh, I came across her stuff. I, I love to I love to delve into Jill Krause's mind. I know. Whenever I see Planet Dean and like that photo, I'm like, look at him. Like in all the people I like, it's fun. Well, I, I'm new to this social media type of stuff. And I mean, fairly new to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot of beneficial things the following finding those people that you know uh that encourage uh, your growth so. absolutely well guys i think we'll wrap it up today uh if you're listening on friday i hope you guys have a lovely week our kids are heading into a spring break next week so we are spring pumped spring break Woo-hoo! Can, yeah. spring break in lockdown what but you know what there's no school so i'm thrilled <laughs> And uh, did you want to mention about our uh, candles? <gasps> we should. Yeah. Preliminary early announcement. Yeah. So we have five cents that is um, basically we're com- we have the candles are called uh, Friendo Apothecary. And we have five cents. I don't know if I can remember them all. I will I'll- tell you. Let's let's start with the bright and zingy smells. Well, that would be Sun Salutation. And Friendo. And Friendo. And Rescue. Rescue is kind of like... It's got a little warmth to it. It sort of is like mid-range. Yeah, some chamomile in there for you to just mm-hmm. chill you the, you know, chill you yeah. out. Little re- see, um, rescue, rescue you. And then you've got these two beautiful, beautiful warm scents. Magic. Magic. Which is kind of like, well, all, you know, the stories behind them will all be on uh, friendo.com. Mm-hmm. I love the smell of magic. It's like a, a warm... Someone said Christmassy, but I don't say I don't no, smell it's Christmas. Like a meditation type thing. You know what it reminds so, me of? Yeah, I was in like Bethlehem mm-hmm. one time, and uh, there was only like six of us there on the bus tour. There was some something happening there. Anyway, there wasn't a lot of tourists around, and you go into some of these into the church, and you're kind of like, oh, that's myrrh. That's what myrrh is, mm-hmm. but it's mixed with other stuff, so it doesn't smell. Anyway, it's, it's beautiful. Like, it's very meditative. Meditate. It's a word that's tricky. A tricky word that I can't say right now. <laughs> Zen-like. And then last but not least. Humpity bumpity. That's a sexy smell. It's very sexy smell. I don't <laughs> want to know how. You don't want to. You don't need to know how that we got. Light with formulation. caution. Light with caution. Yeah. Or you're going to get baby Put some rabies. Put by the bed. <laughs> 
God. Uh, so five candles are going to yeah. be launching real soon. And I also have a few others that, like, the thing is, when I got into this, so long time ago, I got into this, uh, you know, because I was flying 747 around, and I was like, I got to, you go into a hotel room, and I hated the smell. I was in Singapore. I got this kind of scent that I put on, you know, remember essential those little oils. candle warmer thing? Yeah, oh, essential yeah, yeah. oil. But this was a mix. Long story short, I got into it. I was like, oh, I need these. So I, I traveled for years. And then later on, I was just like, you know what? I want to make this into like candles because this is a great business and I like to do it. So I started mixing in the garage that smells like... The best smelling garage it, We have the, the best smelling garage ever. And all these different formulas. And then I must have maybe... I would say like 10 that I wrote down on in my iPhone. Mm -hmm. If I ever lose that. Watch out. Watch out. But there's lots of good stuff coming. So, so five right month, now. Five right now. And every month we're going to launch a new one. And uh, or every other month if I actually. Yeah. Hold on. Because he might go back to work at some point. Yeah, if I go back to work <laughs> then it won't be every month. But I I'll can't try. take on candle making along with everything else. <laughs> yeah. um, but we're really excited. It's an absolutely beautiful product. Yeah, it's got you know, a wood wick and it's... Let's not... You know, I'm going to toot Dean's horn for a second because Maybe. Dean is not a person to just do anything half halfway i know more about soy wax and the ratio of wax to oil and fragrance and you name it like no one needs to know that much i almost know as much about that as i know about clouds which dean knows all but about you know in flying because you're very clever no hard working it's i avoid it's like the aviation business you better have read it or know because <laughs> someone's going to ask you about it right and then the other thing is that you don't want to be criticized. You don't want to, you know, in every kind of job, you get into the situation where, oh, you know, you're supposed to, people ask you questions that you're like, uh, I don't know. You have to become an, an expert. expert on yeah. things that you do. Oh, I, and we didn't yeah. even mention their wood wicks. So it's got a wood wick. Beautiful a, amber glass. With the amber glass. The wood wick is like a double sandwiched wick, but not glued. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I think exists out there, but I tried all different types of wicks and this burns the best it's a medium crackle because i find like the the real crackling wicks kind of freak me out a little bit well and they pop a little bit they pop you know a little bit, yeah and like uh you know and i'm paranoid so anyway i hope you like it try them out oh i'm excited they're so on, um, they're gonna be on the website yeah hellofriendo.com so uh, you'll see some announcements if you want to follow us on Instagram it's at shop hellofriendo or you know Amanda Muse I will be making announcements on both but we so appreciate your support of the shop and giving us an opportunity to be creative and create new products for you and I just want to take this opportunity to thank everybody for supporting the Friendo podcast Amanda works very hard at it we have candles t-shirts other merch on the site at hellofriendo.com and all the proceeds go to support the show thank you that's right well thanks guys and we'll catch you in a brand new episode next week bye friendo podcast is produced and hosted by me amanda muse music on this episode is written by chris bevins and mike payne performed and produced by mp real glow if you'd like to help support the growth of friendo podcast you can do so by leaving a positive review, sharing the podcast with your friends and community, and supporting the shop at hellofriendo.com. Find us on Instagram at shophellofriendo. And thank you for listening. And remember, be your own bird.